Welcome back to the DOV Family Podcast, everyone. Today we're joined by Peggy and Jimmy, parishioners in our diocese who have a story to share from their marriage, challenges they faced, including addiction, and how they worked through it as a couple and with God. Peggy and Jimmy, thank you for joining us. You're welcome. Yes, you yeah. are. We're, we're lucky and blessed to be here. Very All good. right. Yes, well, I look forward to learning about your journey as a married couple. So can you start by telling us about your marriage? How many years have you been married and how did you first meet? All right, that's a good story. Uh, yeah, uh, go uh, ahead. Real good one. <laughs> I was working in radio in a small town in, in uh, Texas. Uh, and, uh, and, well, it was Gonzalez, Texas. And uh, I didn't, I had only been in the radio business for about three months. And I got a new job at a radio station in Gonzales. I didn't have an automobile, so my father drove me to Gonzales, and we stopped at a restaurant, and we were having lunch, and there was this waitress that was waiting for us, and I was taken with a breathless beauty that she was a gorgeous girl. What a line. Said, uh, I gotta use that. Yeah. I gotta use that with my wife. Breathless <laughs> beauty. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, well she does take your breath away even today. Uh I uh let's see. Oh as I as I was leaving, my father asked the girl, uh she she said, I'm leaving my son here and I'd like you to take care of him. <laughs> and so that's how we met. And uh, I finally gathered up enough steam to, after a little while, to ask her to go out. So we, I took her on a date. Of course, we had to walk. That's good. Uh, but Gonzales is a small town. We didn't have a lot of territory to cover. So I finally uh, asked her out, and she said December yes. December 1st. She's, first date. Yeah, that was the wow. first date. Wow, December 1st. Hey, this. And he was 18 and I was 15. Oh, my goodness. So what year are we talking yeah. here? Uh, 1947 uh, in December. And uh, and then 48 was 30 days later. The first day. Yeah, I stayed there until uh, I stayed there until January of 1949 at the Red so Gonzalez. It's been 74 years since you asked her out. Did I get that math right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Seventy-four years, amazing. Uh, We've been married seventy-two years. It really is amazing. It's yeah. a miracle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, our story may be not the most interesting, but it's pretty long. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we've been married seventy-two years to each other, and uh, I still like to say that because these days people sometimes have been married several times, and I've been married only once. <laughs> Likewise. Yeah. Uh, well, well, we moved to we moved to uh, we married in July 30th of 1949 at St James Church in Gonzales, and uh, my cousin, a Catholic priest, Monsignor at the time, uh, Hinkus was his last name. He married. He was the married priest that, that took, conducted our marriage. And uh, it was a good good affair. We were very young. I was only 20 years old when we married. Yeah. Peggy was not quite 17. I like two weeks of being yeah. 17. I don't necessarily suggest that you do that, but uh, I'm sure glad we did. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. it, it, we were, uh, we, 
radio business wasn't wasn't a high paying business then, maybe not even now. But uh, I was making less than forty dollars a week in, uh, in in Bay City when I first started. When I moved to Gonzales, I got forty dollars, and then uh, I knew I needed to make more money when we got married. So I uh, knew a friend that was had been in the business with me in in Bay City. And he called and asked me if I was interested in going to work for him in, in uh, Odessa. And uh, uh, I said, yeah, he offered me a job at a much better price. And he said, but you just have to send me a recording. Well, in those days, there wasn't a lot of recording business. In fact, uh, the radio station in Gonzales did not own the recorder of any kind. So I went back to uh, Victoria, where, uh, where I was, that's my hometown and where I practiced radio before I got into the business. And they did have a, a recorder, and I recorded some material. And I asked him, well, how much do I owe you for the recording? He said, I don't know. You have to go ask the boss. He's upstairs. He lived upstairs yeah, over the radio I station. So yeah. I locked in his, and uh, he, Bob was the manager of the radio station. I knew him fairly well. And I opened the door, and I told him I was downstairs, and I'd made a recording to uh, for an application for a job, and he says, and I said, I just come to find out how I do I owe you? And he says, you you need a job in radio? And I said, yeah. And he says, well, why don't you just come to work for me? <laughs> so wow. I can't. I move. I was able to move back to Victoria at a better price than having to go to Odessa. And wow. It, it it was really a, a boon because we were we were pretty poor, you know, we didn't have any money. Peggy, Peggy went to work for the telephone company. I did for, at 75 cents an hour. In wow. So 40 hour a week for $30. Yeah. That's a can of soda a day at the Walmart. Uh, yeah, well. machine. <laughs> I was making $50 a week and we didn't, I didn't have any hours. I just worked as long as they told me to. <laughs> wow. And, well, so, uh, that was our start. Yeah, that was we were, we were fortunately we were both Catholics. Uh, yeah. Peggy's Peggy's family was uh, deep into the church in in Gonzales, and I had been I probably I was baptized when when I was born. I was only two, weighed only two pounds. My mama was uh, a nurse, and she baptized me right away. Wow! And uh, uh, so and I got an official baptism a little later, but. Uh, that's so that's how it all began um so yeah. i'm sure yeah. it's been an yeah. adventure in these seven decades but uh, as we all know in marriage there are ups and downs so do you mind sharing about some of the challenges you encountered in your marriage and how, how you worked through those things together right well uh we were very young and very inexperienced and we didn't know how to do many things getting along probably wasn't one of them uh, well, you know, we were full of ourselves individually and uh, and didn't realize it, so forth and so on. And it, uh, I was so busy that I, I began doing sports broadcasting for the station, and it required me to go out of town, uh, long distances away to broadcast baseball or football or whatever it might have been, and. Uh, I eventually not only was on the air all the time and had a, but I was also a commercial representative for the station and sold advertising. And so I, I, I was, I was away from home almost constantly. Uh, mm. uh, for example, uh, 
I was I would broadcast a, a, a baseball game in Houston for the local team, the Victoria, and I'd get back home maybe two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning, and I'd have to go and open up the radio station at six o'clock. And uh, that didn't give me much time for sleep and certainly didn't give me much time for correspondence with my wife. Uh, <laughs> I was not likely to get tired of them being around. <laughs> yeah. So that was a that was a complication. And I didn't even realize that I had it. And uh, there were many faults that probably both of us had that I don't think either of us recognized at the time. Uh <laughs> But as time went by, and I was got to be pretty successful in radio, and, and I spent 21 years there. But uh, it was no chance for me to get an advancement because it's a small town. They were already paying me as much money as they could. And uh, so I got an opportunity to join a bank uh, as an advertising public relations representative as an officer of the bank. And it was a well-known bank. And, uh uh, I, I accepted that job. Uh, at a, at a bit of, you know, at, you just shot right through the first time we were really in deep trouble. All right, go and, ahead. Well, this was when we'd been married about 14 years, and you and I were just not really. Oh, you want to mm, okay. Well, very carefully. All right. <laughs> Well, oh. we weren't getting along real good. We well, we had a whole bunch of children. Uh, we had already had four children and one miscarriage. Uh, yes, and, yes, uh, uh, yes. In there, uh, what happened was I I thought that we probably were going to separate. Oh gosh! And uh, so my mama was living here in town at our old family house, and she was a widow and lived by herself. And I, I usually went by and. To see her quite frequently. So anyway, I went by there and I told her, I said, Mom, Peggy and I are having a lot of trouble. And, uh, I think maybe it's a good idea for me to uh, move out. And, and I'd like to come live back here at your house. And she says, well, I'd, I'd be glad to do that, except Peggy's already asked me for her to do that. <laughs> I said, With all four children. Right. <laughs> she was, she wow. was going to do it. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So that continues long the, the the big thing about me, I got exposed to public relations, and and uh, uh, because I was on radio, uh, drinking was absolutely forbidden. As a matter of fact, it was a federal offense if you were drinking on the air. But, that, uh, but when I got to the bank, I was supposed to buy lots of drinks and so forth for guys, and I got exposed to that alcohol and it got me uh grabbed me by the throat and i drank uh to excess for 12 years mm. roughly and in fact that yeah i finally crashed and burned uh from uh, all the con consequences of that stuff peggy stuck with me all that time uh had, but there had, were other things, too. I mean, there's a great deal of living <laughs> in this many years. This is still about this early time uh, with the four children uh, and, and, and wanting to uh, call it quits. Mm -hmm. 
And um, when I was 30, I went to a first psychiatrist, Dr. Constance, and George Constance. And when I was about 32, I went to a second psychiatrist. Now, in this day and time, you paid every penny of that yourself. No Medications and, you know, there was nobody paid anything for you for it. You paid it. So uh, this, this was another real uh, troublesome, hard time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got through with those two psychiatrists. Um, mm-hmm. And drinking was a little part of my life. But I don't think as much so as with yours, no. but it was. It was a part. Um, so we, we head on through and we get through the 30s, okay? Mm-hmm. We, get, we get through the 30s, and now go ahead and pick it up, okay? Well, as my drinking progressed, I began having trouble. Uh, I was able to go to work every day. I, I didn't dare miss because they'd see you. Must be drinking again, and uh, but I went to work every day. And uh, one of the jobs I had working was every time we got an increase in the total deposits in the bank, we gave free coffee to everybody, and it was my responsibility to write a note saying that we we reached that deal and that that, that everybody could have a free cup of coffee. Well, I didn't write too well early mm-hmm. in the morning. So I started making out that form, except for the number of days in advance, posting that. And in addition to that, uh, I uh, I made out a list every every day of what I needed to do that people would know that I was working, uh, so that I would accomplish that. Because about eleven o'clock in the morning, I came, I came too. I was pretty regular to do most anything at that time. But uh, and about five o'clock, it was time to go get a drink, and you know, mm. did that too. And it. Uh, By the way, we left out a very important part. Okay. I think in there in the thirties, uh, I was thirty-two and a half, and Jimmy was thirty-five. When we we not only wanted to have another child, but we did. You know, God blessed us with a fifth child, uh, mm-hmm. and she's still a real blessing today. Um, I had five children, and I was, you know, I was driving them to school and everything. So I really had to watch out about drinking that I did, and it wasn't that big a problem in my thirties. So now I'm gonna let him pick it back up. He's just about forty or close to it. Well, I, I'm, I never got picked up for for drinking, even though I was driving and drinking quite a bit, mm-hmm. almost every day, almost every day. Never got stopped. Uh, I was uh, at a, a motel where they, at those, in those days, you couldn't buy liquor by the drink anywhere. But then if you join the club at the motel, you can go get bar there. I was at the, what was at that time a Holiday Inn in Victoria on the Houston Highway, very popular roadway. And I was up to, up to my 
up to my neck in drunkenness. I was really drunk. And I had my car by myself, and I got into that car. And at that time, there were no uh, drainage. Uh, there, there were drainage ditches in front of the hotel. And I drove off of the little driveway uh, and got stuck. I can remember that. What I can't remember is some of the things that happened after that. But what did happen was somebody that I knew, and I have no idea to this day who it was, came up and helped me get home in my car. We got the car pulled up and uh, and all that kind of stuff and, and got me home. And to, and to this day, I, I blacked out a lot. And blacking out means doesn't mean passing out. Yeah. It means I have absolutely no memory of a period of time. In fact, the last year and a half of my drinking, year and nine months, really, I lived almost in a solid blackout. I went to work every day. I did things, but I have no memory of them at all. Uh, yeah. Just give you an idea about that. I, I, I was trying to make amends, and I thought I needed to, uh, uh, to amend to the community because I had been so bad. And so I decided that I would go to a, uh, after the voting, to a precinct convention. I'd never been to a precinct convention in my knowledge. And uh, so I did. And it was in the early afternoon time when they did it. And uh, the, the lady that was conducting the meeting says, well, our first business is to elect a permanent chairman of the precinct. And uh, so she said, she was going out. She says, uh, well, I propose that we renominate the one that was the guy that was the chairman the last time, two years ago. And uh, I was trying to participate, so I seconded the motion. And she said, well, you're the one. I was the chairman of the precinct and didn't know it, served in the position for two years. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's quite a surprise. Uh, my the way that I found a way that God fixed up for me to start straightening out my life was uh, in 1973. My uncle, who was my mother's last remaining relative in town, died. And all of that family, and it was an extended family, was going to come to Victoria. And I knew that my life was about over and I was going to have to run away somewhere and die uh, from the addiction that I had. Uh, and so I decided I would be on the very best behavior that I could possibly be so that they would say, oh, isn't that a shame what happened to poor old Jimmy? And uh, <laughs> uh my addiction was stronger than what than me. I had a I had a big incident at the funeral home the night before the, the funeral burial. I was a pallbearer for my uncle and fell down with a casket. Went over to my mother's house where she had the reception where all our people was going to be there, 
and and uh, and in all over this whole time, I don't remember any of that except what people told me. And so it so happened to be very fortunate to me that there was a guy there who was married to my aunt who lived in San Antonio, and he was a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. And he talked to me that day, but I don't know what he said. I have no idea. Anyway, uh, Peggy drove me home. She told me that. I uh, certainly <laughs> did. Uh, and the next morning at 9 o'clock, I got a telephone call from Eddie, uh, who was married to my aunt in San Antonio, and wanted me to come up for the Labor Day weekend and spend it with him. I, I just knew my life was over when he said that because it, I realized for the first time that I was absolutely exposed to what I really was to all of my family and that my life was over. But I, anyway, I went up to San Antonio and Eddie talked to me and uh, uh, helped me to find a way into a program that could ease my addiction and change my life. And that was with Alcoholics Anonymous. And there's a lot of people that think that AA is a program that teaches you how not to drink. And the fact of it is it teaches you how to live, which is the thing I couldn't do before and probably why I drank. My living was to start with, I was full of myself. Uh, I was self-centered, dishonest resentful and full of fear and all of that was driving my life and the drinking and so i got a question um, so yeah. during during those years when you were really getting addicted the addiction was growing where was god in all this where were you both still going to mass where was your faith at this we point were, in the journey yeah we still went to, to church uh, at least every week, you know, we yeah. did. Yeah, we never quit going to mass. Uh, no, no, uh, no. At that time. I would like to interject yeah. something yeah. now. It's just about time to, uh, because Jimmy, Jimmy uh, does join AA, and at this time, I can remember how I didn't even want to touch him. I just didn't even want to touch that man. And it took me about a month, but I got to uh, Al-Anon on uh, October 9th of 73. And Al-Anon, though I was still drinking some, see, I had to have that. Is Al-Anon, is that short? Is it short for Alcoholics Anonymous? Al-Anon? Al-Anon is for the wives and people who have someone who has an alcoholic problem, yeah. okay? Gotcha. And, and you know what, what, they, what I, this was so good for me. There was, a, they had books too, and they have, you know, all the sharing, the meetings and stuff, which are so important. And, um, but in one of these books, I remember, uh, early on, I, I read about how I should remember what my husband was like in the beginning, what drew me to him, all the good 
you know, the good things and stuff. And that was a real help because I really needed to do that. Um, I kept controlling <laughs> my drinking through 15 years of Al-Anon uh, before on October 27 of 1988. This is 15 years he's in AA. I've been in Al-Anon. And one day I'm carefully driving along and into my head pops you got to tell your doctor how much you've been drinking because I'd never done this. And it was just it was just a real clear gift to me. And and I stopped. I stopped and I went on to my doctor's then and waited until he could talk to me. And and he spent, oh gosh, I don't know, quite a t- quite a time with me. He thought I needed help. Guess what? <laughs> Jimmy, come on back. And um, I went to AA. And I said, you know, I'm Peggy and I'm an alcoholic. But, you know, I didn't really feel like, how are you supposed to feel like you're an alcoholic? I had been denying it for years and years and years. Here's my husband again. Well, one of the things that helped us out a good bit was in the early days, uh, and this is talking about our relationship with God and trying to do something about it spiritually. Yeah. Uh, there was an organization that put on a deal called Marriage Encounter. Oh, yeah. Uh, and they were going to have one here in Victoria, uh, a weekend, <laughs> and we signed up to go to that and did go to it. And that it's not quite as popular now as some of the other organizations that are there, but it was the most revealing thing because it taught us how to speak to each other. To share, to share feelings without any and anger thoughts or and ideas. Like or consequences. And yeah, it was about well, love. Yeah. I want to make a little I want to make a little plug right now for those listening that while we don't have yeah. marriage encounter currently in the diocese, we do have a retreat called Choosing to Love developed by Bishop Gary Yannick and couples from El Campo. Yeah. And there's a weekend yeah. coming up October 8th through 10th. I'll put the link in the show notes for folks if they need a little bit of a boost for their marriage or just help in communicating and reminding what our vows are all about. That's a great yeah. weekend to go to. You you learn those things, you know, how to how to relate to one another, how to and and your marriage doesn't this this retreat isn't for marriages st- struggling per se, but for marriages that know they're just not getting quite out everything out of what they should, you know, out of that relationship. So choosing to love right. coming up. I'll put it that in the notes. Pretty much Victoria slash choosing to love. But yeah, is that what it was for you guys? That was a big boost moment? Yeah. Pretty, pretty much. Uh, it was a, it was a, a, it renewed the love that we had had, that we had lost some kind of way. We were just going through it. And I tell you what, being a Catholic and Peggy being a Catholic saved us it did. From, from, from taking any action to really divorce it, and go away. It, we knew we it had to do saved it. Saved our so, marriage. You know, they say. I mean, the, what, where could we go? You know, we believed in our faith. Yeah. That it was, yeah. we were married and that was it forever. Yeah. Uh, 
it just it saved us. And sure enough, and he said one of the, one of the secrets for a long marriage is don't <laughs> leave and don't <laughs> die. Don't that's the, and that's, <laughs> and the church helped us to do that. We we got very active in the church after that uh, yeah. deal. We wow. both were involved in the in the singing. We we were in the choir and we started doing. I started doing lecturing. And, and it was that, uh, well, it was that weekend. Been. Was it, it was that weekend that yeah. spurred all of that? Wow, that's yes. beautiful. Yes, yeah, and uh, it it certainly did. Uh, we we had a lot of friends that were there in attendance there, including. Uh, the, the pastor of our church. <laughs> oh, I remember, what, remember we. I remember, remember what year that was. He, he wasn't married, but he attended. What? What year was it what that you went on your marriage encounter? Do you remember? Oh, it was about. Uh, we were married almost twenty-five. About nineteen seventy-six. Okay, so basically, in in seventy in seventy-three is when your uncle when passed I got away, yeah. and then you got into yeah. AA. Is that right? 73? Yeah. I got in, in September 1st, 1973. That's 48 years ago. September 1st. And, uh, that's just a big year for you September. guys. A big date for you guys always, huh? Yeah. Right. So September yeah. 1st. Yeah, okay. September, and then September 1st. 76, you go on the engaged encounter. Or the, I'm yeah. sorry, the marriage encounter. Yeah. Marriage encounter. Yeah. And those were the big parties. Like that, there were couples there, several different couples that made presentations. There were a, a priest or two that uh, participated to a certain extent. And uh, it lasted from uh, Friday night uh, all the way through all Sunday. All the way through it's part of Sunday part of morning. Sunday, Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. And uh, we, we were together constantly. Uh, uh, <laughs> and and we had to write letters to each other. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, during that time and talk about what's stuff going on. And that was, it was big revelation. I think the biggest revelation was to find out how there were so many things wrong with us individually. That, you know, we, the egotism and the, uh, the dishonesty and the, uh, the fear and uh, uh, guilt. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, so yeah. strong in our lives. I had a lot of guilt. A lot of guilt. In fact, I, I discovered. Uh, by the, the way, book. I would also like to make a real plug, so to speak, for the priest and what wonderful help they can be yeah. through these years. Uh, there's been times that I, I know I just really needed to sit and really talk with the priest, you know, and and they would. They would listen and they would talk, and they have been so much help. Okay, that's it. You know, it, I I like to go back to a part of First Corinthians, Second uh, Corinthians, about Saint Paul, and I'll just read you a part of it. Lest anyone think more of me than what he sees in me or hears from my lips, as to the extraordinary revelations, in order that I might not become conceited. I was given a thorn in the flesh, an angel of Satan to beat me and keep me from getting proud. Three times I begged the Lord that he might leave me. This might leave me. He said to me, my grace is enough for you. For in weakness, power reaches perfection. And so I willingly boast of my weakness instead. 
that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I am content with weakness, with mistreatment, with distress, with persecutions and difficulties for the sake of Christ. For when I am powerless, it is then that I am strong. Uh, that that was something that I've has really been a big part of my life to understand that God is responsible for helping me no longer drink. It was nothing I could do. Amen. I was powerless. I was well, powerless. You know, amen. It's it's when we get to that point that we have no control that we can really let God take over, and that's when our lives can can take a drastic turn for the better. When we realize right. how weak we are and how big right. God can be, just put a little bit of faith in him. And he promises us that if we have faith the size of a mustard seed, we can move mountains. Yeah. He just wants that first step from us. That's right. It sure is. And so that, that's what led me. We went to a, a retreat center in Houston uh, for alcoholics and sometimes also for our uh, Oh, yeah. I used to go four times a, a, a year to the Holy Name, Holy Name Retreat Center in mm-hmm. Houston, which was yep. conducted by by members of Alcoholics Anonymous. The wow. Were involved. They were there, and uh, they helped us get take fifth steps, fourth fifth steps. That was the whole point of it was was to do the steps of the program of Alcoholics Anonymous over well, the weekend. We'd get there Friday evening, and we'd stay there till noon Sunday. Yeah. Well, and I'll tell you what. That was, hearing yes. your story makes me think of the importance of reaching out for help, right? Realizing you're not in it alone. Because that seems evident in your story that y'all realize you, oh, just, yeah. you need God, but also others, you're, the retreats, the AA group, priests. That's right. So yeah. many people. And it was a, a friend at the beginning that got you out of that car You don't or helped you with your car. It was always someone yeah. else helping. That if we're vulnerable and we reach out for help, that's how God designed us to be. We cannot make this life alone. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, it, it is. It, it, in the uh, third step, it says, I uh, uh, made a decision to turn my life and my will over to the care of God. Mm. That's how the step reads. And that mm. that's so important from that on. So you surrender. Uh, you surrender your life to him as best you can. Actually, I don't think you're powerful enough to do that. But God helps you do it. Turn your life May I come in yeah. and add something? Uh, uh, yes. For many, many years, I had been wracked with guilt. Um, from the time I was in my latter 20s, I just hated myself then. And that's what drove me to those psychiatrists. And um, I, through the years, I was trying and trying to live right, but I never could keep the feeling for long that I was forgiven, you know, that I'd done everything, said everything I needed to do. And I was almost without a drink at all, nothing, for almost five years. NAA, and at one of those retreats, at Holy Name Retreat Center, I went in when it was time uh, for me to do so to a priest there, 
And I was still a mess. I mean, mentally, I was still had in deep trouble. And this priest that I happened to go to, uh, actually for a confession and a real talk, was a recovered alcoholic priest. Mm. How about that? Who had had a guilt addiction himself. Mm. And boy, did he know what to do with me. I beg your pardon? He he brings us who we need, right? He brings us the messengers we need. Yes, absolutely. Just like in my head, he puts it, you know, you got to tell your doctor how much you're drinking. Okay, that started. That's the Holy Holy Spirit. That's your conscience and and the Holy Spirit working together. (laughs) Yes. Isn't that yeah. something? It's just wonderful. And uh, uh, and this priest was such a real help, you know. Anyway, I'm okay. That that story of Peggy's is really important because most of us, when we get to AA, we don't realize how much guilt we have that's controlling our lives. Right. Almost right. everybody that gets in there, in fact, there's many people that never get sober, really, because they can't get over that guilt part and they don't let God take it away from them. Yeah. And uh, it's uh, it's it's really an interesting. Well, that's why the church well, has the great, sacrament. Great that's why the church has the sacrament of confession and encourages us to go yeah. regularly because that is where we. It, the more we go, the more we realize God's infinite mercy, and we let I go of guilt and live it. with live with freedom. That fear can turn to freedom. But we're not free to sin. We're free to live the life God called us to. That guilt, because the enemy's a liar, he will drag us down again and again. You can't do this. You can't do this. But our God wants to break that bad thinking and tell you, no, you can trust in me. You can trust in me. And then we live with freedom. The more we encounter his mercy, though, we have to go to his mercy to 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 really embrace freedom. Right. Now, I certainly encourage anybody that even suspects that they might have a problem with alcohol uh, to get in touch with AA because there, there's AA throughout our diocese. Very strong uh, uh, AA, little towns and big towns. There's a party in Victoria. There's an AA meeting every day. Wow. Uh, and, and how do they get the information? How do they get in touch with AA? Do they just call a parish and ask? Yeah, well, that'd be all right. Sure. Uh, okay. our, our parish knows. We have a meeting at our parish uh, every Saturday, uh, the one the parish that I go to. And, All right. Uh, it's, it's the cathedral. Uh, Great. Here so in Victoria. Annex. The annex. We meet in the annex. Nine o'clock. Uh, nine o'clock every nine Saturday. Great. Uh, nine. Folks out yeah, there, nine. It's an open meeting, so you don't have to be an alcoholic to, to attend. Anybody can yeah. come. Well, folks out there, if you're if you're struggling with addiction or you know someone that is, please refer them to AA and call the cathedral. Or if they're not local here in Victoria, call the Diocese of Victoria. Call my office, and we'll find you a chapter. Um, All right, there's a cell phone number in, uh, uh, that AA has that people can call too. Uh, oh, great! We'll put all that. We'll put all that information yeah. in the show notes so folks can find that. But I thank y'all both so much for sharing a part of your story. I know there's so much more we go into with seven <laughs> decades of marriage, and maybe we'll have you back if not on on the podcast for an in-person event to share some more, but just some closing words from you. What would you tell anyone out there who's struggling in their marriage? What's your top piece of advice? Uh, Yeah, I think you need to talk to somebody. 
uh, somebody, uh, you know, I, we sometimes we're so reluctant we don't tell the priest what's going on. I think we went to confession all the time we were having trouble, but never once told what our problem was. In fact, probably yeah. didn't even know what our problem was. Yeah, we only put out the best version of ourselves, right? Yeah. We only show what we want to show yeah. sometimes. We need to find someone right. we can trust. Yeah, and it, it, you find such great acceptance from the from the church, really. Yeah. Uh, all the priests, and and then there's then there's individuals. I mean, we get sponsors, uh, as, and we oh, get yeah. in there, and, and those sponsors right help away. guide us all the way through. Uh, yeah. In fact, uh, I'll tell you, I, my, Clyde was my was my sponsor, and I was reading the big book, Alcoholics Anonymous book, and going over the steps and looking at the third step, and I was having trouble understanding what it meant. So I called Clyde and asked him. I said, Clyde, I'm I'm sitting here reading this uh, deal, and I'm I'm I just don't understand. And he says, Jimmy, it's not necessary for you to understand. It's necessary for you to do what it says. If if you okay. do what it says, there's a possibility that you may understand. And that's been some of the greatest information I've had in my whole life. Awesome. Okay. Uh, we thank you for what we do. do thank this. you, Justin. Well, are, thank are you, you called Justin? I'm sorry? Justin. Are you, yeah, are you called Justin? That's me. That's me. Okay. <laughs> I know, but I okay. Yes. Well, thank you for for sharing your story. I just want to encourage everyone listening. If you know of a great story in our diocese, let me know so we can bring them on the air. People can find hope and encouragement from one another. The reason we're interviewing yeah. Peggy and Jimmy is because someone thought they'd be great to have on the podcast, and it's very timely with choosing to love coming up. So again, folks, VictoriaDiocese.org/slash/choosing-to-love. If your marriage could use a little boost or improve your communication a bit, please join us for that weekend, October 8th through 10th. And um, Peggy and Jimmy, thank you again so much for sharing part of your journey with us and the ministry you do for so many here in Victoria. Would you mind closing us in a prayer? Yeah, I, I certainly would. And I'll use the prayer that is most, most uh, popular in AA called the serenity prayer. Yes, love that. God, prayer. grant me grant the serenity. The serenity. To accept, accept the things, the things I, I cannot change. change. Courage to change, change the things, things I can. I can. And the and wisdom, wisdom to know the difference. Know the difference. Amen. And thank God for all the gifts he continues to yes, give us and help. Absolutely. And I ask him every day to help me recognize the gifts that he has given me because sometimes I overlook them. Attitude of gratitude. Yeah, that's it. 